Welcome to another In the Telling Scrap episode, segments that are too good to be left on the cutting room floor. In this scrap episode, Anthony Buck discusses opera and grandeur. This scrap episode is sponsored by Anthony Buck. Anthony Buck has been teaching people to sing with greater ease and strength and more beautiful tone for over 10 years. His students successfully sing musical theater, pop, classical, and even rock music. Let Anthony help you meet your singing goals. Email atb at anthonythomasbuck.com to schedule a lesson today. And now Anthony Buck. So to hear opera done right, you really have to have an orchestra. You have to be in a beautiful hall. Uh, The sets and costumes are usually more elaborate because of the kinds of stories that we're telling. Um, and so if you go and hear people kind of halfway doing opera, it's it's, different. It's very different. Yeah, it really is. I think of the storytelling art forms, um, with spoken or sung word, I would say, yeah, it's, it's up there as the most live experience I've had. So if you go to see, um, you know, you go see someone stripped down King Lear in a black box. You don't say, that was just cheap. You say, wow, they did a lot of really great ingenuity in making that so intimate. Yeah. But if you try to do that with opera, people say, cheap. <laughs> we, we expect it to be ornate and elegant and yeah. elaborate. Do you think it's mm-hmm. because it's old that we feel like that? Because it comes out of these, you know, the 1600s and the Romantic period and has all this history? I think that's a, a large part of it. Um but also, you you just got to hear the sound, you know? It's designed that way. I think Shakespeare or whatever kinds of theater things you're thinking of can be adapted much more easily. It's the intimacy of the acting. They weren't acting intimately back then, but the style of acting uh, can be... Um, can be adapted, I think, much more easily to an intimate sort of setting than you're not going to hear someone sing Violetta in La Traviata intimately. Because if you're intimate enough, your eardrums are going to break. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is only one way to deliver this note at that, in this context of right. this line. Yeah. So um, I, I do have a lot of questions about how opera can be done on a more local and... Um, budget-constrained way. And I've done some things that have been interesting. I did um, a few times I put together concert readings of operas where we basically just stand with the piano and just sing it in a smaller sort of space. And um, and those can be fun and interesting and a good way to get people listening to opera. I don't mean to say that there's only one right way to do it, but to really get the full experience there that's probably there's very few options to do it um but i think that a lot of the stories that opera are opera is telling are compelling um and can be uh really uh salient to the moment so moby dick that we keep on coming back to because it's an opera that we have in common moby dick is about a charismatic leader who appeals to people's baser nature and leads them into destruction through his extremely persuasive means. Yeah. Well, that's a story that maybe people could find to be resonant today. Yeah. <laughs> that, that might be a little on the notes. <laughs> um, but if I look at if I look at my experience of that production as an audience member and I think 
what if we took the lighting out of that scene where they're cutting all the flesh away from the whale? What if we took the props away and they, they were such good looking props? What if the movement had been constrained in any way or the set was less than it was or the orchestra was minus? If I take any of the elements out, what was a, a horrifying and yet I can't look away and I'm scared and thrilled all at the same time moment of ambivalence in yeah. watching in watching a production it's something that I could I could not blink and look away from and I'm not necessarily enjoying it in a lovely sense in any level and you take away one of those variables and yeah it's just that the, the impact wouldn't have been there yeah yeah I don't know there are chamber operas that are written for much smaller forces and those are cool and interesting to do but uh but they lack grandeur yeah, sure. that's a great word for it. That opera has a grandeur to it that I think I think we should be able to expect to some level because that's part of what we associate with that as an art form. I think that's also partly why people feel like it's a little inaccessible, right? Like yeah. I am not grandeur. I have like jeans and a hoodie when I go <laughs> when I go to the movies. Right. I, yeah. How do you um how do you prepare a prospective audience member to not have that bias that I know I have, that opera should be grand, that opera is pretentious, that opera is for people who have studied it or are acclimated to it already? How, how do you bring not opera to the masses per se, but the masses to opera? <laughs> what a great way to put that question. So I used to do this all the time, teaching in a performing arts school. I would uh, prepare the students to hopefully get them to go down to see Utah Opera's final dress rehearsal because they <clears throat> offer deals to high schools for extremely discounted tickets. So every term I would say, this is the only way you can get extra credit this, this term. Oh, I like that. <laughs> is to go and see the final dress for the show because they would pay like three bucks for oh, it or something. I mean, it was there wicked is, cheap. That is real cheap. Yeah. Um, and every once in a while I'd be like, I'll give you the $3 for you to go see. <laughs> in fact, I had a student, I said, this will change your life. If you go see, coincidentally enough, the magic flute. And he came back to me the next day and he was like, dude, that changed my life. And now he's an opera singer studying at the university and singing gigs around the country. Anyway, um, so, uh, first of all, you have to know which shows are going to be good shows, right? If you want to introduce someone to film, you don't say, uh, let's, uh, let's Just let pick you up watch whatever. Apocalypse Now. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> like, you need to teach people to watch movies. But you know what I mean? There are things yeah. that are accessible, things that aren't accessible. So I know some folks, their first opera was like, um, Incoronazione di Popea which is not a good beginner opera. Um, I'm going to assume that that's true just based on how long that title was. <laughs> well, it's the um, coronation of Popea, uh, if I say it in English. Sounds anyway. less interesting. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> less interesting in English on that one. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Magic Flute, that's a good beginner piece. Um, the Barber of Seville, fanta or Il Barbieri di Siviglia, if we want to be cool. No, we'll, um, we'll use the Bugs Bunny title. Okay. <laughs> That's a great beginning piece. These are pieces that the stories are things that people will recognize and say, this is something I can understand. So if you have never seen an opera and you think, well, it's all in a foreign language, so I won't understand it, you have to know that they, they project the translation um, in supertitles. They're called supertitles instead of subtitles because they're above the stage instead of below the stage. Which is um, super helpful when yeah. you're in the cheap seats. Yeah, you can just read it. 
Yeah. It's fine. They even do it when it's in English because sometimes the singer's diction isn't fantastic. Which is back to Moby Dick again. Yeah, <laughs>、um, it was very appreciated. So yeah, you can understand the story. Um, of it, and so I would just tell students. I would tell them some of the things that they could expect from operatic convention. Like、uh, these are, the, you know, they do recitative and aria and chorus and ensemble, so that you kind of know the pieces that they're putting together.、Um, and I would explain. Well, these are the kinds of things that. That are traditional for tenors to do in an opera. They'll be the romantic character. They'll、yeah. be the and they'll fall in love with not a contralto because it will be a、no、soprano. It will be a soprano. <laughs> yeah, and the baritone will probably be some kind of bad guy, and the mezzo will probably be the soprano's BFF.、Um, you're probably going to see these sorts of things happen according to operatic tradition, so that you they they feel like oh these are things that we can know and feel like we understand, and it doesn't take long to explain that kind of stuff. Long at all, it's easy to understand. Um, those conventions, but then also you explain the story, and I would always try to explain the story in the most straightforward way that I could, like I explained with Lucia, right. right? Well, there's this chick; she falls in love with this dude, but they're not supposed to be together because the older brother's like, "No way, bro! You got to marry someone for money." That's the story of Lucia de Lammermoor, right? Yeah, it's easy to understand.、Um, <clears throat> but when you say, "Well, there's this beautiful young maiden." Then people are like, tune out.、Yeah. Don't care. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> But、uh, the, you know, opera was a popular form in the 17, 1800s. People went to it because not because they were snotty, but because they wanted to be entertained. And Mozart's comic operas and Rossini's operas, those were things that people went to saying, "Oh, good, this will be fun." Not, "Oh, good, this is my cultural spin." High art, yeah. Maybe just because we've put all this money into producing it, we've decided that it takes money to understand it. Yeah, but it's just not necessarily true. It can be compelling. So right now, I'm teaching at the community college a student who、uh, she's a hip hop and rap artist. But、uh, she wanted to take voice lessons, and I'm like, okay, well, you gonna do it my way, <laughs> which means you're gonna sing an Italian art song, you know. And so she's,、uh, it's this song "Se Tu Mami"、um, by Parasotti. It's,、uh, it's cute and and artistic, yeah. But the text is essentially like, well, if you love only me, I'ma feel bad for you because I might be around for you for a little while, but I like to play around. <laughs> That's the, essentially the、uh, the translation of it,、um, which in modern English is something I'm like, oh, I that, recognize、right? that, yeah. But you know, she's interested in this text, and I have her singing、uh, in ways that she has never sung before. She's always sung like that kind of husky pop. Uh, sort of sound, and I got her singing up to high C's with a you know interesting technique. She's like, "Whoa! I never thought I could do this." Well, of course, why not? You can learn to sing in any number of ways, and they're all intended to communicate meaning, and that's what we care about in story. What does this mean? And if we can just peel back that veneer of well, this can only mean something that snobby people can understand, and say that's just not true. These stories are about things that anyone can understand. That's what they were intended for.、Um, so we go and watch like superhero movies, 
right? We don't think, well, that's about superheroes. That's not for me. Oh, yeah, I, I can't relate. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to go and watch a story about people from a long time ago who wore different clothing than we did and say, well, I can't understand that. That's meaningless to me. Well, there would no. go all my favorite BBC entertainments. Yeah. These things are accessible to us. We just have to learn the conventions of how the stories are told. And then we have a whole new world of story that we can understand. I wanted to just mention one other thing about this uh, hip-hop singer at the community college that I'm teaching. Um, and it goes back to what you were saying about opera being like just for rich white people. <laughs> um, this girl's Navajo, which is interesting. Um, and, uh, she, she's learning things that, um, you know, maybe aren't necessarily native to her culture. Um, but also I, I hope that, um, people realize that we can share culture without taking away someone else's culture right without, never, the, without it being cultural appropriation or or um cultural imperialism mm, and yes. saying you can't enjoy either your native musical tradition or a hip-hop musical tradition because you need to have it replaced with something that's more cultured because that's baloney um, I hope she'll enjoy singing this more classical music, and I hope that it will inform her of cool ways that she can improve her voice for the stuff that she's already doing. Right? Yeah. 